Hi, welcome back and thanks for joining us here today. I'm Jamie and I am a blues disciple. Now please join me for a little while to hear some excellent blues from some of the masters of the blues. Blues Disciples is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and please note that earphones or earbuds will enhance your listening pleasure. And for your convenience, you can click on the playlist to expand its size for easier reading. First today, I'd like to give a salute to Mr. Dick Waterman, who passed away a couple of weeks ago at the age of 88. Starting in the early 1960s, Dick Waterman either found, documented, worked with, promoted, photographed, produced, or recorded many of the early 20th century blues artists, including Sun House, Bucko White, Mississippi Fred McDowell, Mississippi John Hurt, Lightning Hopkins, Arthur Crudup, and Junior Wells. Dick's incredible work and contributions over the last 60-plus years to the blues world will live on forever, and he'll be missed by us all. As we mentioned on the last show, today we'll hear more interview excerpts from Mr. Justin Showa regarding his working with blues legend Mr. L.C. Umer, who was born in 1926 or 1928 in Mississippi and passed away in 2016 around the age of 87. Justin met Elsie Umer around 2005 and performed, toured, and recorded with Elsie on his only published recordings. Elsie was born into a musical family, and at nine years of age, Elsie started learning on a Gene Autry guitar, which started Elsie on his lifelong blues path. As a child, Elsie's influences included early country music legend and family friend, Mr. Jimmy Rogers. Growing up, Elsie worked in timber and railroad camps during World War II while honing his guitar-playing style. He then left Mississippi for the first time around 1947 for stints in Arizona, Kansas, California, and Illinois before returning to Mississippi for good in 2001. Here I asked Justin how Elsie came to know family friend and early white country music legend, also known as the father of country music, Mr. Jimmy Rogers. Elsie's uncle, I believe it was, I, I'm pretty sure it was his uncle, they, they, he had a moonshine still on the place where they all lived and worked at that time, because of course whiskey was illegal, but my understanding is that Jimmy Rogers did like to take a sip of whiskey, and he knew Elsie's dad, because Elsie's dad also was employed by the railroad. I'm not sure in what capacity, but I know that they knew each other, and Elsie's father played music, as did Jimmy Rogers. Of course, at this time, he wouldn't have known, Elsie wouldn't have known Jimmy Rogers as anybody other than an acquaintance who came by to buy moonshine and maybe play a song or two. But he remembered them playing music, you know, just as friends in passing or whatever, which is mainly how music took place around there. It was a timber camp that Elsie basically was raised nearby. He went to a timber camp school, a logging school, you know, that was... That was the whole world, their whole world revolved around that. And so, yeah, he remember being maybe six or seven years old, like a youngster hearing country music from him and having his father, Elsie's father, play music and show Jimmy Rogers things. So there was like an exchange that took place there of some kind, which is super interesting. I then asked Justin to tell us about Elsie's leaving Mississippi for the first time as a teenager. So he left home when he was 14 to do the, the building Lake Pontchartrain. Then he ended up 
he was in the service for some time around World War II. I don't know that he never did go to a campaign or anything, but he was enlisted at some point. He made it out to California, and then he ended up in, in Arizona, in Holbrook, Arizona. There was a uh, motorant there that was like Elvis and B.B. King and other people like that played there, and he would open up. He, he was like the janitor there, kind of, you know, but it was like a truck stop slash music venue, one of those outposts in between there being a whole lot of nothing for people that were traveling. Folks, this show's music will focus on recordings that were made in 2007 of Mr. L.C. Ulmer, Justin Showa, guitarist Eric Deaton, and drummer Wallace Lester during the Rootsway Roots and Blues Festival in Parma, Italy. The recording had a limited publishing and was titled Long Ways From Home. Today we'll be sampling each song on the album. To kick things off, here is Justin to tell us about the album's first track, I've Been There. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that song? Sure, sure. I believe that was the first song that the band came up on stage and joined him for that. And it goes on and on. It's like a party, but it occurred to me. I believe that is keying off of like the stable singers, I'll take you there, you know? Like, I've been there, you know? <laughs> like, I figured that out later. I was like, because he says, ain't nobody crying, come go with me. He says a lot of the words that they say in that song. So I think he's saying like, hey, I've been there. I don't know if there is Italy or there is just that place where everything's okay. But uh, it doesn't really sound like that song, but it occurred to me, I think that's his response to that song.
When Justin and Elsie were preparing to head to Europe for the first time, Justin tells us how they handled the issue of getting Elsie a passport. We were trying to go overseas. He didn't have a passport, so I was, I, it was my mission to help him get one. And, and when you do that, you have to have certain documents. And so, like, he didn't have a birth certificate. He didn't have any of the documents that you would normally have to get a passport. And I remember asking him, do you have a record of your baptism? That's one of the things that is acceptable. He said, oh, no. He said, uh, he said I was baptized in a creek. Where one man put you down, and the other man held the snakes back. And I just remember <laughs> thinking, now, that's not an image. Uh, so I said, okay, well, I, I'll tell the passport people that, and I'll see if that, see if that helps our cause any. Um, I think we ended up, like a family Bible is one of the things that will pass. He did end up having that. So I was really saddened to hear the passing of Dick Waterman. And then as I thought back through the years, as it pertained to this Italian trip with Elsie Ulmer, I remembered that. We may not have gone to Italy if it hadn't been for Dick Waterman. The reason was that because I lived in Oxford, I knew Dick. So once we dug around and couldn't find what we needed, it started to look like we were coming up on the deadline for the passport because once you submit the documents, you have to wait maybe four to six weeks for the approval and for all of this to come back. So I reached out to Dick because I knew he had experience in this area before working with other artists, and he was super helpful. He made a couple phone calls and ended up getting to Roger Wicker, the senator for North Mississippi, and was able to get the application uh, escalated to, to the front of the line because it was such an urgent matter that we didn't have a ton of time. So we did end up getting all the documents and getting the passport expedited. So we ended up getting the passport maybe a couple of weeks before the trip. So, so yeah, it's, it was looking kind of shaky for a minute, and then Dick stepped in and helped us out. We greatly appreciate everything that he did over the decade to help so many artists and uh even at a time when he wasn't really doing that, he was just doing photography. He was still willing to step in and help somebody who was uh, in a position where they needed it. So thank you so much to Dick Waterman. Otherwise, uh, this album would may not exist. And then, how about Burn Down the House? Burn Down the House. Wow. That one is sort of a, uh, I believe, like a one-chord boogie kind of a stomp that just has that got that party vibe it's not hill country but it's not delta blues it's just go as fast as you can and for as long as you can until the wheels fall off essentially <laughs>
I then asked Justin to tell us about one of the songs which was L.C.'s rendition of an early 1960s hit by Junior Walker and the All-Stars. So how about Cleo's Back? Cleo's Back, I think, I'm not sure who Cleo is, but I think that might have been a song that someone else recorded or had a record of back in the day. But of course, L.C.'s version doesn't really bear a resemblance to the original, I don't think. But I do believe that that was one that he referenced another song and just made it into his own. That was one that did crop up occasionally in shows. You know, he didn't have many songs, but that was one that he tended to do a pretty good bit. He can't get enough of it. He loves it.
I then asked how he and L.C. were invited to the June 2007 Blues Festival in Parma, Italy, by the festival's organizers. The guys that ran it were familiar with some of the hill country and lesser known musicians. They were really into getting the real deal, I guess you would say. They got in touch with me because I had Hill Country Records going and they wanted to bring Elsie Almer and Afrosippi the first year. And then the second year they brought Eric Deaton and Jimbo Mathis. But yeah, so we, we, we went over there the first time and it was it wasn't a huge festival. There were probably a few hundred people there, I would say. And it was on the on the Poe River, this particular show that was recorded. So it was the Poe River Delta. So they were trying to kind of make this connection between the Mississippi River Delta and then the Poe River Delta, you know, and some of the similarities in that. So it was sponsored by a municipality, like it was a government, it was a like arts funded thing, you know. I then asked, how about Got Me Running? Little Jimmy Reed, I guess, huh? Got me running. That's that's Jimmy Reed. That's a Jimmy Reed nod, and that would have been somebody that he opened for when he was living in uh, Joliet. Different guys like Jimmy Reed came through and played there, and also he played at Maxwell Street and other places in Chicago. So yeah, Jimmy Reed would have been somebody that he ran into over the years, like in the fifties and sixties. I never heard him do that when he pulled that one out for that show. Yeah, that that's definitely a nod to Jimmy Reed on that. You got me running, you got me high, you got me on high, 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 no more to the road. You got me doing what you want, baby, let it all be And then I rest my case. I rest my case. 
That's one that I'd never heard him do before either. That's a good one. It just sounds like couldn't be anybody else but him. It's got elements of that country blues, but then elements of the Chicago sound too with the drums and sort of trying to get people up and dancing, you know. I just know that this lead playing that he's doing in here is awesome. And that's that unbridled lead that it just hits you. You know, it's cutting and uh, rock and roll is what it sounds like to me.
Thank you, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, thank you for another wonderful, lovely day. Thank you for another wonderful present evening. I then asked Justin how L.C. responded and interacted with the blues fans of Italy when he was off stage. He was a real go-getter and a real morning person, so he would be up at the crack of dawn. You would hear him in his room at like midnight or something up just playing guitar, just him and singing, you know, you could hear it in the next room or whatever. So he stayed up at all hours practicing. And then he would be up at sunrise making the rounds through the town, whichever town we were in introducing himself to people and talking to people and uh, reporting back to us that he could understand what they were saying and vice versa, even though he didn't speak one word of Italian. Um, it was kind of cool. That was kind of cool to see, to see in that. But yeah, LC traveled with one thing I remember distinctly was he had, he was real big on wardrobe. So he had brought a belt for every day that we were going to be there. He had different, different belts and like different handkerchiefs different accoutrements that he would change out every day and he would shine his shoes you know he would shine his shoes they had to be shiny like he had a maybe he retained some of that from being in the service or something he had a very regimented way of carrying himself and presenting his wardrobe as clean and professional and ready to mingle and ready to perform you know ready to perform at any time but but yeah he, he would just sit around and play for folks you know even when we weren't at shows he would feel compelled to and people would, would of course, crowd around because they, they had never been around anyone like him. So he really loved it, I would say. He, he wasn't there just to make a paycheck and show up. He was there to live that whole thing, you know, that whole experience from the flight to the hotel room to the festival to the food. Now, he was a vegetarian, so he was real picky about the things that he chose to put in his body. He had a like a background in like Eastern medicine, you know, he had a doctor when he lived in Arizona that was, I believe, Chinese, but he learned about the different effects of different foods and drinks and different things that you put in your body and how that sets you up. Very interesting in his knowledge. His knowledge was a mix of Eastern medicine and Mississippi backwoods uh, remedies, you know, like you can cook down some pine needles and mix it with a little bit of whiskey, and then you're going to drink that for just about anything that might ail you. He would have these different antidotes that he would throw in there, sort of. Those are the two worlds he pulled on, though, for his health. But, yeah, part of that was getting up in the morning, you know, when the sun came up and walking around. So that's what I mainly remember about Italy is him just being out there, you know, at 80-something years old, just trying to make the most out of every single minute, every single day. And then I asked... How about all by myself? All by myself. That's a good one because he was all by himself. It's a spontaneous thing that came into his mind for how he felt in that moment. So that was good because it shows what we were talking about earlier, how that seems like true artistry and spontaneity when you're making up songs or doing things that are in the moment. You know, it's not something it has been rehearsed. It's just what do I feel right now? And that's he felt all by himself. Well, I begin to think about trouble oh, 
a special feeling to have played with that guy as incredibly talented as he is or was and being told that he wants to play with you. Right, right, right. It's got to be a kick. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I've felt that way with him for sure. That's the greatest uh, compliment, I suppose, you know, in that way. So, like I said, a lot of times we wouldn't, we weren't totally prepared for what he might pull out. So, I guess it wasn't necessarily about your ability to retain or your memory. It was more about can you roll with it in the moment? You know, that may be the qualifying thing to be in his band, you know, versus how many notes you know, but can you get behind this uncertainty and we can have a party? You know, it's really fun. Yeah, I mean, you've got to have your heart in it as he does his. Absolutely, absolutely. Nonchalance won't get you far with him. And we continued. How about going away to leave you? Yep. That's like a one, four, five straight head blues and like a Chicago vein. This may have been once again, him thinking I'm a long ways from home. I'm going away. Not sure if I'll be back or not. That may have been how he felt. He felt so far away from where he was from. That's him solo. 
imagine 300 Italians sipping their wine and looking up there, and this is like the first or second song they get out of them, and he's just got total command of the rhythm and then the lead. That one kind of encapsulates what he's all about right there, you know, really musically. Well, I'm going away to leave you and ain't coming back no more. Well, the girl, you always coming by something that don't make sense no more. You told me once, you told me twice. You didn't have no man, but you told me a lie. Found out. I found out last night when you left my home. Got to put you out of my home. There's gonna be trouble here going on. Look out, that girl. I'm walking the track. All the way back to town. Little train is coming. I'm gonna be a whole boy after a while. Call him leaving. I don't want no girl by my side If you come on, leave me alone I can really keep my home good but you need a friend to stand by you in every neighborhood girl don't leave me your love was strong I love you so much little girl 
But I ain't gonna let you break up my home Move those hips. Ooh, this is another one of those. The train could possibly go off the tracks with the whole band, and he just, it just goes on and on. Hey, got to get people dancing. If we come all the way over here, we got to get people dancing. So this was like a dancing card that he played to, to see if people could get out there and move around. That was always his barometer for if a show was a success or a failure, was if people got out there and danced. I see you trying to make them slip I see you moving them hips, little girl Don't you make me make you And then the title track, Long Ways From Home. All right, drummer, come up and help me. So he called Wallace up there. Yeah, he was tired of playing by himself. That was kind of all by myself was his way of saying like, hey, I wish you guys would get up here and play with me. I'm all by myself. And then more of this sort of, uh, I'm down because I'm a long ways from home. Maybe you can help me, you know, get these people moving. LC played in a one-man band 
for like 35 or 40 years at a Joliet. So he would always say, like, I'm tired of playing by myself. Because I would try to get him to play by himself just because it felt a little intrusive sometimes. And I was like, could you try your one-man band again? And he was like, yeah. He said, I've got the drums. He showed me the drums that were in his closet at his house like from the 40s. He's like, I've got all my equipment, but I'm just tired of playing by myself. And I want you guys to play with me. So. All right, drummer, can you come up and help me? I got to sing you some blues out there. Have you ever loved a woman? talking about You know if you ever loved a woman Then you know what I'm gonna tell you Work all year round And you don't take your woman on a honeymoon You know what I'm saying? Y'all to do better man When you come home in the evening time, you ought to bring a flower. You know a woman, she loves flowers. Every day in the week, she loves flowers. When you come home, you bring a flower. All she'll ever think about is her man. Don't make your woman uh-huh, fight this with you. She give you your good meals every day and rub it down at night. Bitch, your best water man. You can't even fight. Tell this little girl you love her. 
So how about tell me what's wrong with you? Boy, just right off the bat, going into just unabandoned lead guitar in between these phrasings that he's singing. Yeah, yeah. It's more of that country blues on acoustic. This is all acoustic, actually. This whole show is acoustic. But he gets a lot of slicing, cutting guitar leads in there that you would normally think would be reserved for electric guitar. It just shows how he could really get the, the thing going with just a, an old Japanese acoustic guitar that's nothing remarkable or special about it, except for he was playing it. Come on and move me. Oh, shake your love. Come on. mode of thinking was to love one another and to treat your neighbor as you would treat yourself. So he definitely built his message around Jesus's teachings, and he always kept a Bible right there on his coffee table alongside a pistol. I always thought that was interesting. He had that self-made attitude of like, I've got my lines that you can cross, but I love everybody equally. And don't see color. I don't see income. I don't see nationality. I don't see how many possessions you have. I don't see any of those things. I just see you as a person that, that deserves love and respect just as much as the next guy. So everyone was treated 1,000% equally. It is interesting that he was born in Jasper County, but he spent a lot of his life in Jones County. And Jones County, during the Civil War, seceded from the Confederacy, and they called themselves the Free State of Jones, and they took out bridges and organized ambushes of Confederate units 
and assisted the Union in coming into that area, they weren't slaveholders. They weren't cotton people. So they just viewed it as as sort of a rich man's war, a war that we were fighting to die for somebody else's cause. In that area, it was mainly sharecroppers. Elsie would have grown up white, black, poor, all the same. And if you were out in the country, you were out in the country. Maybe that provided a little bit different backdrop than some other places that you might have come from where you would have really felt that strong racial tension. He may have felt it more strongly when he went other places, you know, when you would have gotten out of that area, out into the world, but he never held a bitterness for it. He definitely would have gone through the struggles of civil rights and not being able to patronize the same eating establishments or hotels or gas stations that perhaps white counterparts would have been able to experience. So through all that strife, he still kept love at the top, and he always kept that until the very end and ironically passed on Valentine's Day, apropos for somebody that loved as much as he did with no strings attached. Again, we certainly appreciate the time that Justin Showall spent to help us understand more about the very original and genius blues legend, Mr. L.C. Umer. And we thank Justin for his great work in performing with and recording some of the excellent music of Mr. L.C. Umer. Now, here is Justin to introduce the last song on Mr. L.C. Umer's 2007 album, Long Ways From Home. The song is Money Blues, and thank you folks for listening. By the way, happy Valentine's Day to everyone, and rest in peace, Mr. Omer. That's a very J.B. Lenore-esque riff that he's playing right there. If you listen to some of his music, that, that sounds really similar to that. I don't recognize the song as being something that he did, but that guitar riff in the beginning is what it reminds me of. And that was somebody he grew up around. But yeah, Elsie was very cognizant of his money and his funds, you know, and worked really hard to get it. So not surprising that he would have a song in there about that. Take out a loan I can't afford it, baby Yes, I'm going to the bank and take out a loan I'm upon my home Get you something That you can have your own 
I'll tell you, little girl, I'm on. Take out a loan for you. Yes, little girl. I'll take out a loan for you. I'm gonna let you have what you want. Girl, I'm gonna change my way of living too. I've been coming in late. I'm gonna slow down. I'ma let you ride all the time, so you can have peace in mind. I'ma let you have peace in mind, little girl. Peace all the time. Hang on, Mr. Jones.